wolves in the wild will never chew an antler. They don't even chew long bones of their prey. If you look at the stomach contents of a wolf, yes, there are bones there. Those are rodent and small mammal bones. When right. they crush and swallow a rodent whole, they'll, they will break rib bones or flat bones, but they don't chew hard objects or they'll break their teeth too. Welcome to the With a Dog Podcast, the podcast for the modern dog parent. I'm your host, Carly, and every Wednesday I bring on pet professionals or some fellow dog parents, and we laugh, learn, and commiserate about everything from the confusing vet visits to dog park etiquette to the 2 a.m. potty breaks. Essentially, life with a dog. Hello, my wonderful people with a dog. Happy February 1st. We made it past January. It was maybe like 600 days long, I feel like. Every time I looked at the date, I was like, it's got to be February already. And it was like January 24th. But that's good. That's good. I like it when time moves slow. I like it when my deadlines for things um, do not come quickly. <laughs> Let's hope that the rest of the year also feels very slow and we have the time to do the things that we need to do. Like me learning to walk again. This week, so a few days after this episode comes out, I will officially be without my boot, no boot, no crutches. I'll be walking again in tennis shoes after my um, ruptured Achilles tendon, which is very exciting. And I think I mentioned this on another episode, but guys, PT is hard, like physical therapy. (laughs) I'm so fortunate that I've never injured myself like this before. But I am truly humbled in those sessions. I'm not going to lie. Like, I I kind of in my mind, I built it up to like, I'll be without the boots soon. I'll be going back on dog walks and I'll more or less start to resume my usual activity once the boot is off. That is not the case. I was humbled again. My, my physical therapist was like, no, you still got a couple months <laughs> before you're like back to activity and then you'll probably feel like you're completely back to normal like it never happened like in November of this year and I was like oh cool 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 cool. yeah um that's not gonna work for me (laughs) it's not gonna work mainly for my mental health it was a rough mental health week last week and like the beginning of this week oh hi Lupin welcome my oldest dog Lupin just barged through my door to the studio and is now standing here staring at me. What do you need? Hold, please, while I cater to his every whim. Okay, I'm back. What was I saying? Mental health last week? Yes, it was in the gutter. It was let me wallow in bed. It was shame. It was embarrassment. It was guilt. Um, All because I can barely do like a bodyweight squat and lunge. And and I didn't realize that being, I don't even want to say like in shape because what does that even mean? But like being athletic, especially someone who's like in a bigger body, I could always hang my hat on like, okay, I may not look like I'm super athletic, but I know I am. You guys know I did that sprint triathlon, you know, last fall with honestly very minimal training beforehand. I mean, I tried, but it didn't. It wasn't as extensive as it probably needed to be. But anyway, I'm saying like I've always prided myself on being like fairly athletic and quote unquote in shape for my body type. (laughs) And now the fact that I'm struggling to do what to me are considered like really basic movements. Yeah, it was it was just kind of a, a big hit to my pride. And I didn't anticipate that. And I do want to just say like I know I am so fortunate to even be an able-bodied person in the first place. And usually I am able to navigate the world as an able-bodied person and and very easily. So I know there's others out there that have this experience, you know, on the daily. But yeah, it was just, um, it was a change in my norm. And it was rough. It was rough on my mental health a little bit. And so I have been getting myself to the gym like every day. You know, those like inspirational things that you see online where it's like, if someone doubts you, you know, prove them wrong every day, like put the work in. 
Like, that's me in my head. Cue the Rocky theme song. (laughs) I am over here busting my ass trying to get some of the muscle back that I've lost. And that's not so I can go out and run a marathon. That's purely just so I can do like bodyweight squats and lift, you know, a heavy package from the porch, like everyday things. Anyway, enough on that. That was me last week. But as I said, I've kind of switched the mindset. And now I'm like, all right, let's build it back up, Carly. You had your moment of wallowing. Let's do something about it now. And on that note, I have a with a dog win to share this week, which is that I went on my first dog walk in about nine weeks for the first time the other day. Dog Zaddy was skiing for the weekend and my mother-in-law came over with her dog. So we walked all three dogs. I walked Lupin on his long flexi leash and it was easier on the flexi leash too. So he wasn't like dragging me anywhere. There was like a little bit of give. So I felt very secure, very safe. I was in my boot still walking. But yeah, first time, nine weeks for a dog walk. When you have two large breed dogs, it's insane. It felt really good. It felt really good to just even be out and about (laughs) and getting fresh air. So that's my with a dog win for the week. But let's move on to today's episode. Now, this one is actually, it originally aired... This makes it sound like it's like a 1950s sitcom Um, episode originally aired back in the summer of 2020. So this was still within the first year of the podcast starting. This is when I had my co-host Izzy, who is no longer on the show. If you're new here, we're still friends. It's all good. You'll be hearing her on this episode co-hosting with me. And we interview Graham, the pet dentist. We go over all the schooling that he had to do to become a pet dentist, what it even means, like what is a pet dentist, like what does their job entail, the importance of dental health just in general, like in dogs and people, how it's tied to so many other things involved in the body, especially in aging senior dogs, how to keep your dog's teeth healthy and clean and how often you need dental cleans for them. And then also the things that we do as pet owners, that damage our dog's teeth or the things also that our dogs do that damage their teeth too. So we talk about like the chews, the rawhides, the bones, antlers, all of that. You get the tea in this episode. I have said this many times on the podcast that this is one of my favorite episodes we've ever done and it still is. So I'm really happy to be resharing it. And the reason that I'm resharing it is because February is National Pet Dental Health Month. So I thought if there was any a time to re-upload this episode, it would be this month. And it's been, I mean, as of this summer, it would have been three years ago that this episode initially aired. So I know I have a lot more new listeners that maybe haven't heard it yet. If you've been with me the whole time, um, first of all, thank you. And second of all, you know, maybe it's a good refresher for National Pet Dental Health Month. I will be trying to have on another doggy dental related thing on this month as well, another guest. So keep an eye out for that. And I think that's that's about it. Um, quality of this episode is pretty good considering I was still new to editing audio. But just keep in mind, it's an older one and I was new to podcasting and editing. And since this episode is a repeat, I think I will be releasing another little mini episode maybe later this week as well. So keep an eye out for that. And let's get into it with Graham, the dog dentist. So let's roll on into this and start off with the first question here, Graham. If you could just introduce yourself to the listeners and um, kind of give us a little summary skim of your life professionally and personally, and kind of how you got to where you are today. Okay. Uh, Well, my name is Graham Thatcher, and I'm a board-certified veterinary dentist and oral surgeon at the University of Wisconsin School of Veterinary Medicine. And my route to landing here is quite um, tortuous. I started at the University of Guelph in Ontario, Canada in 1992 uh, with the vision that I would be in vet school by 1994, uh, and that didn't happen. I enjoyed life too much, I would say. 
and um, two applications in my during my undergrad degree didn't get an admission, so I went to Korea to teach English because uh, there were a lot of opportunities there, and spent about eight months there before I got caught teaching without the the proper permit. Um, I can sympathize with that. <laughs> Did that to happen to you too? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I was. Is that the eight month mark too? <laughs> Did you go to prison? Did you go to detention center? No, um, I so they took us to the police station, and um, I don't really know what happened because I c- couldn't really speak Chinese. They just made me sign something, and I gave them fifteen hundred dollars to let me go. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds very similar to what happened to me. My boss ended up showing up because I. I ratted him out <laughs> and there were a lot of white envelopes traded from breast pocket to breast pocket. And next thing I know, I'm on an airplane to Japan um, where I went to an internet cafe and um, met up with uh, one of my old lab partners from undergrad. And he was, he was on his way to Taiwan uh, to Taipei. So I, I met him there and spent two and a half years teaching kindergarten in Taipei um, with no intention of, you know, coming home because it was, it was lucrative, but I still, I, I, I couldn't get the, the itch for veterinary medicine out of my mind. So I, I, so I, I went back to Canada, wrote the test and didn't get in. Oh, <laughs> no. so that was application three. And I thought, um, like friends of mine were just telling me to give up and, and, you know, maybe you can become a pet detective and we're making light of it. <laughs> And I just didn't, I just didn't want to give up. So I went back to school and did what, what's known as a victory lap. Um, mm-hmm. I just went back to Guelph to my alma mater and did a, did a, a semester of courses that would all um, replace other courses on my transcript for the, whatever their, their core required courses were for mm-hmm. the application. And um, so I got into vet school in 2001, finished 2005 with the intention of uh, working for a couple of years um, and then going back and doing an internship and residency. But I just wasn't sure uh, what I wanted to specialize in. I actually thought probably orthopedic surgery. I did carpentry for a couple of years between at, while I was back in Canada trying to get into vet school. I had two years there and I worked for my dad, who's a carpenter. So I really, I really enjoy that. And I, there are a lot of parallels um, um, with, with orthopedic surgery. But one thing led to another with my first job in, in Ottawa and um, met my wife. Um, I was offered a, a partnership at, at the hospital. It's a big referral center. So I, I took that opportunity and realized, okay, I'm not, I'm not going to become a specialist. I'll just be a business person. And um, <laughs> I, I filled in for um, one of our primary care vets uh, who was on a maternity leave and moved into a full-time um, primary care, so general practice. Previous to that, I was doing a mix of emergency and, and GP stuff. Uh, but when I moved full-time into primary care uh, is when I really discovered dentistry. In vet school uh, at Guelph, like most of the schools in North America, dentistry is either not in the curriculum at all or very minimally. And, and Guelph had four hours of dentistry um in the four years <laughs> oh wow so, yeah. yeah and that's which is that's crazy because very... it seems like quite a routine thing absolutely it, it's absolutely crazy and that's that's standard um across north america um but i skipped those four classes <laughs> 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 because i was going to be an orthopedic surgeon why the hell would i go to dentistry class <laughs> Um, and it's only four, it's only four lecture hours, so it can't be worth a lot on <laughs> my final grade. Um, so my eyes were, were, were opened up, um, once I got into primary care practice and realized that, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't really know what I was doing. And I had a really great mentor, Dr. Hillary Meller. She had just come back from a North American veterinary, um, conference course on dentistry. Um, continuing education to improve her skills and that course um, you know basically told her she she decided after taking that course that nope um, I'm not doing dentistry and she turned to me and said you're the dentist and <laughs> I panicked 
bought a book, started taking courses. And I realized and recognized very quickly how um, impactful um, just basic dental care is on, on pets' lives. Um, you know, taking them from what, you know, doesn't seem clinically uh, painful or uh, a major issue all, all you need to do is clean clean up the mouth, remove really severely diseased teeth, and all of a sudden these dogs are running faster and jumping higher, and the owners recognize it. It's it's very tangible. So that's when I I started to, you know, feel the gratification, and so I reached out to our dentist. We had a dentist at the time. Um, I took him out for for a couple pints of beer and got him a little tipsy and made him promise to take me as a resident. Um, and one thing led to another, uh, six years later in a part-time residency program, I finished, um, and became board certified. So did the board, cert- the board examinations, passed those. And in a weird turn of events, my wife and I put an offer on a farm and I was going to drop down to three days a week and she was going to quit her job and we were going to kind of live off the grid. And we were so excited about this property. It was basically 400 acres of forest with a operational, um, maple, uh, sugar farm, two lakes. It was just a dream come true. And You're giving us the like Canadian stereo- stereotype right now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just like it's beautiful and outdoorsy, and then we also have a maple farm. So. Yeah, <laughs> and you know a brook running through it with trout. It was like mm-hmm. in the Gatineau Hills, which we call mountains. I know they're not, but it, it was it just like the, this fantasy dream we had, and we we lost the farm in a kind of a bidding war. We didn't get it. Yeah. Super depressed on a Sunday, went to bed, woke up Monday morning, and I had an email from the, um, the dentistry service, dentistry and oral surgery service at the University of Wisconsin asking me to apply for the position. Um, and, you know, I said, what do I have to lose? Um, there are some, some really great, great things about, about the, the opportunity here at Wisconsin. One, both, both of the, the dentists that I would be working with are founding fellows of oral, oral and maxillofacial surgery. So I could do a fellowship and get additional training. I, I would get to train residents, get to do some, some research and, and, and things that I, I wouldn't get to do in private practice. Mm-hmm. And, and coming from a private practice residency, I didn't really have the, the didactic training. I didn't have the, I guess the chops that I, I felt I wanted to have. Um, mm-hmm. Sure, I passed the board exam, but I didn't feel like I was the best dentist that I could be. And I knew that if I went into academia, you know, that's that's a real real great avenue for me to grow and improve not only my skills, but my general knowledge. So it's a good thing that you didn't get the farm. Otherwise, you would have been in quite the predicament that morning. (laughs) Just got yourself a farm and this great opportunity. (laughs) That's right. You know, honestly, I wouldn't have, I, I would have just said, oh, that's cool. Rip. Yeah. <laughs> but hindsight, um, I'm really, you know, glad that things worked out how they did, how they did. Um, I'm, I'm not one to say no regrets because I, there are lots of things I've done in my life that I regret, but I, I don't regret coming to Wisconsin. We just saw Tyson on the video. So if you could tell us more about your dog as well, it sounds like he has quite the interesting story. Yeah. Tyson, he's, under, he's right at my feet sleeping. Tyson, <laughs> Tyson's a, a pretty special dog. Um, I'll, I'll tell the story from the beginning and try to, it, this story can, can last for two or three hours. So I'm going to try and get it in <laughs> in five minutes. Okay. <laughs> Tyson um, came to me through social media uh, there was a, a veterinarian from, I believe, the Netherlands, um, and sh- she was just finishing vet school. And before they graduate, they're they're required to do a certain amount of time, whether it's three or four months, volunteer work. And she was volunteering for um, an NGO actually based in L.A. called Paso Pacifico. And this was in Nicaragua. And as a veterinarian, she was called to go to this farm that was part of... Uh, um, part of the 
the NGOs um, lend um, and the farm was managed by a gentleman who had a dog and he had accidentally injured his dog clearing the brush um, with a machete he swiped through um, Tyson's muzzle so the, the machete went through his upper jaw so just over his nose over the the bridge of his nose into through his palate into his mouth cut his tongue and into the lower jaw oh Oh my goodness Uh, you could you can see pictures of it on on my instagram and videos yeah you could actually take his nose spin it around and touch his eyeball with it oh my goodness that's horrific yeah so this this veterinarian (laughs) um was sent to assess and euthanize Tyson because they didn't think he could survive like that. But when she got there, she realized that the, the wound was not fresh. Um, it had been there for some time, whether you know weeks or, or even potentially months. And he was able to prehend food. One of the videos you can see on my Instagram, you can see him pick up a carrot off the ground. I don't know if you've seen that one, but he, you could, he picks up a carrot off the ground and you can see the carrot through the top of his nose oh my goodness. in his mouth. Um, but so she, she, she assessed him as, you know, relatively comfortable and tolerant, um, half decent body condition and thought maybe this can be fixed. Mm-hmm. And she posted it to a, a pretty common veterinary uh, site. And they reached out to me and said, Hey, grand pet dentist, can you fix this dog? And I, Obviously. <laughs> so, <of course laughs> Duh. Do you know who I am? <laughs> I'm pet dentist. Come on. <laughs> I had no idea if I could fix it. But I knew I had uh, some good support uh, from the orthopedic surgery team that worked with me to fix it. Mm-hmm. So the challenge was Tyson was in Nicaragua and we were in Ottawa. And we, we, we needed to get him up there before a certain deadline. And I think it's October 1st, might be November 1st that the airlines won't fly pets in cargo because the, because of temperature regulations. Right. Regardless, we had everything lined up and then the airline backed out on us saying that they didn't want to transport the dog because they were worried about, you know, if there's a problem because of his health, Mm -hmm. um, they were worried about liability. So then my wife and I, Got in touch with the with CBC, um, Canadian Broadcasting Corporation, and we um, got a got a story going that got picked up by a bunch of media and kind of inadvertently shamed the airlines. And we're really <laughs> lucky because United um, and Air Canada basically said, "Oh, we'll do it," and they got some really good publicity out of it. And then we also were lucky that Tyson got flown. Um, uh, up for free so all we had to do was pay for my wife to fly down because he had to have an escort so yes. my wife escorted him back he spent a couple weeks in the hospital before we did any surgery did the surgery all the while planning to send him back to nicaragua mm-hmm. um that's where the story turned he missed a his bit. flight yeah he missed his <laughs> <flight>. <laughs> he lost him <laughs> no actually the story got a little bit crazy um we well we obviously fell in love with tyson and it was going to be really difficult to see him go but his his owner went missing oh yeah so the the ngo said is there any chance you could keep him there (laughs) yes (laughs) silver lining we love him and we didn't want him to go anyway so (laughs) and he's he's the most ridiculous dog um, he's, he's wonderful, playful. Most people think he's a puppy, even though he's probably, you know, he's, you know, between five and six years old. He's just a, a happy, dopey hound. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he's we're, adorable. We're he's like, he's a, such a beautiful dog too. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I feel like you can't even see his scar probably cause you did such a great job with, oh, with the no. surgery and yeah. fixing him up. <laughs> I mean, it's there, but like, but I don't know. I don't think you could see it that, that much either. Like he's just. Yeah, yeah, he's cute. I couldn't he's really see it that much. So if, if if he was a, a human um, trauma patient, I, I would, and and as the oral maxillofacial surgeon, I would fix him like this, and then now we would send him to plastics to fix his skull. <laughs> <laughs> Tyson, don't listen to him. You're, You're cute, just the way you are. Yeah. <laughs> 
He's pretty sweet. So <laughs> that led to a number of pets coming from other places, including Fiji, uh, Qatar, Mexico. Um, so I, now and then I'll just get somebody ask somebody tag me in a in, in a wounded dog, mm-hmm. um, and when I can, I'll I'll try to support them coming over. We, we brought we brought a, a dog with a pretty bad um, chemical burn from Qatar to Wisconsin and, and treated her. And she's, she's here, got adopted in, in here in Wisconsin. Aww. And that's, that's quite amazing. far away. I think that like Qatar is probably on the, is like on the opposite side of the world. Sure. Is, really, yeah. isn't it? That's quite a long flight. For that's it. a big flight to come yeah. to Wisconsin. Yeah. I don't think most people fly to Wisconsin <laughs> when they, when they visit the U.S. <laughs> no. No. She's really, yeah, there, all these animals are, are getting the full tour of the U.S. <laughs> um, so I, so we've talked a lot about your work and and Tyson. A little bit more about your work. It's not really part of our general questions. I think our questions are probably quite basic for you because they're very much <laughs> like from the dog mom, dog dad, you know, perspective of like, oh, you know, Excellent. that kind of thing. Like and so questions. we. Okay, good. Well, we do have quite a good, few of them. Because we have lots. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we have a lot of them from our, uh, we sourced all, most of these from our listeners, directly from our listeners. So um, hopefully they'll they'll be able to take away. But I do want to just have a quick question more about the more specific work you do, because you mentioned like different, like developing different methods for mandibular like fracture fixation and then also 3D printing and I just want to know like if you could give us a little bit more info about maybe more of the specific intense stuff that you do as well in a in a like a explain it like I'm five way because yes yeah yeah okay (laughs) the main the main um 3d printing that I do um is to augment to go along with the ct scans so when you do a ct scan it's basically um radiographs in slices and then you can add those slices together to make a 3D image so you can see what the skull looks like or the bone looks like in three dimensions on the computer screen so you can you can plan your surgery based on that and then one step further is you you send that file to a, a printer you know it's a little more technical than that but you just print that <laughs> skull with or or bone or what have you with that injury you get to hold and feel and and touch the wound and you can do dress rehearsals on it. You can pre-contour implants like plates that you're going to be placing on these really um, odd shaped um, bones. Um, so that's, that's one of the main methods we or things we use a 3d printer for, but we're also printing, we're working on a project now to um, print um, splints that are very similar to like um, the trays that you would, you would use as a, a bite guard um, mm-hmm. so that the teeth fit perfectly into that plate and they only fit into that splint if the bone is aligned normally. So once you put those teeth into the splint properly, the bone lines up and then that splint is, is perfectly rigid. So it'll uh, pull the bone into normal opposition so it can heal. Oh. It's like doggy orthodonture. I mean, like I know it's moving the yeah. bone rather than the teeth. I was thinking that too, like yeah. braces. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, uh, funny you say that. I'm, I'm thinking. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at doing kind of a, an Invisalign type, um, 3D printed um, uh, aligner uh, to help tip teeth that are deviated in a in an abnormal position as well. So we do. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna. I'm. I'm going to be using 3D printing to do corrections of orthodontic trauma as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so we. As, as a dentist, we do orthodontics um, quite frequently. So. Is your mission to take away all the snaggle tooths from the internet? The snaggle tooth dogs? <laughs> no, but... I'd be quite upset about that. Not at <laughs> all. I'm quite charming. Tyson, you'll have to take a look, but Tyson is quite the snaggle tooth. Um, <laughs> one of his mandibular canines, one of his lower canines sticks out. Now, I could pull it into normal position, mm. but it doesn't hurt him. It's not a problem for him. Right. The reason we do orthodontics typically is not to give a patient a straight, perfect smile, but to take teeth that are causing trauma and put them in a an, an atraumatic occlusion. So one of the most common orthodontic cases we have is the lower canine teeth. Um, if they're tipped towards the tongue, they'll hit the palate. Um, oh, okay. 
tip them out yeah. um, towards the cheek so they're in normal splayed position. So they're, they're, they're very basic orthodontic treatments and orthodontic yeah. movements relative to some of the translational work that we're doing with people these days. Right. Um, so no, snaggle is fine <laughs> as long as they, as long as they don't hurt. <laughs> um, well, I think that sounds so cool. I didn't realize, I mean, this, yeah, this sounds stupid, but I didn't realize <laughs> the depth, I guess, of, of the dental surgical like abilities that that people have within a veterinary world at least because I, I guess I just never even thought about it because personally I had um an underbite and so I had like the orthodontic jaw surgery and everything and so you've seen dogs with like underbites or overbites and I just always was like it's not really fixable maybe you could change a tooth or something but the the thought that you can change that and if, if it's needed, of course, is yeah. really, yeah, like that's really, really interesting that you can do all that. Can, can dogs get fillings, like cavity fillings? Or what if they have like a chipped tooth? Can, can they get like a, of an ear rather than pulling it or something? Oh, absolutely. And, and so one of the things the, the primary care vets will most commonly do if there's a fractured tooth with pulp exposure, which means the tooth is going to die or, or will, is, is already dead. In, in those cases, the, the, the primary care vet will normally extract the tooth or they'll refer to a dentist to save the tooth. Um, and we'll do a root canal treatment on that tooth. Um, plus or minus put a crown on it. And the, the great thing about doing endodontic therapy, like root canal treatments is it's much less invasive than an extraction. Mm-hmm. So if you think of a, a canine tooth, for example, the fangs of a dog, about one third of the tooth is the crown that you can see and two thirds, um, or even more is the root. And to get that root out, you have to make a big flap and, and remove, um, in some cases, significant amount of bone. So it's, it's quite invasive to extract teeth in some instances. Yeah. Um, I've never whereas, thought about it like that. Yeah. To do a root canal treatment, yeah. you just have to remove the pulp, disinfect the inside of the tooth, fill that tooth up with an inert material and seal it, and then do a kind of a, a restoration or a filling. Yeah. And after that, you can put a crown on it. And we typically use metal crowns. Okay. Mm. So we're not getting like a gold grill. Oh yeah, some dog or something. <laughs> <laughs> Love me some dog. Yeah. My last dog um, had had uh, two gold teeth. He had his lower canine teeth, so his mandibular fangs had uh, had uh, gold crowns. That's cute. So That's fancy. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna get Lupin's up for a dental soon. I'm gonna get him all all squared away, all grilled. Yeah. If you look closely at the police dogs, a lot of them do have um, uh, crowns and they have metal crowns because they're much stronger um, right. to protect those teeth because they're doing a lot of bite work mm-hmm. uh, and that often traumatizes the teeth. Hmm. I didn't think but, of that, but that, yeah. that, like the stuff that you, okay, we'll, we'll get into that because we do have <laughs> questions about <laughs> things that dogs should and shouldn't bite and mm-hmm. teeth, yeah. protecting the teeth. Um, so just to kick it off with the basic questions, what are the signs and symptoms of bad dental health in dogs? So, I mean, we are a dog podcast, but I assume a lot of this stuff talks about cats too. So if, if that differs between cats or dogs or anything, feel free to, to say so. There's obviously a lot of crossover, a lot of similarities between most mammals, actually, with regards to the most common disease that we all share, which is um, periodontitis or that's inflammation or infection of the supporting structures of the teeth. So um, attachment loss of the tooth. The, the common signs that our dogs and cats, but let's just keep it to dogs, the common signs that our dogs will, will have uh, would just be halitosis or bad breath. Um, if you take a look at the teeth, you might see red gums. If you try to brush the teeth, it may be sensitive. They may bleed easily. Um, depending on the extent of, of the disease or the phase of the disease, because it may be quiescent or quiet at times and then become inflamed um, in, in cycles. Mm-hmm. Um, the, main thing, the main thing that pet owners would notice is just bad breath, and they may think bad breath is normal. Um, it, it's not. It's an indication um, of, of pathology or disease in the mouth. So Certain bacteria that uh, are pathogenic or, or bad bacteria um, cause these these odors, these sulfur compounds that that uh, we, we know as halitosis, 
And uh, it's, if you have bad breath, it's definitely an indication that something is, is not right. Okay. And so dental health is, is important just because there could be some kind of disease that's kind of rotting away. Yeah, exactly. All up in their face. In, in a very simplistic way of, of putting it, which is really important, is, is, is just that, you know, the tissues are, are, are infected and inflamed and they're rotting away from the teeth. And um, Mother Nature has it so that the teeth will eventually fall out. But, but as my, uh, my mentor said, Mother Nature is a son of a bitch and takes too long. <laughs> in, in nature, I, I, I'm 45 years old, and in, in nature, I, I wouldn't have teeth. Uh, we lose our teeth in our twenties normally. Um, what? The, yeah, yeah. The reason we have Crazy. teeth is because most of us do something highly ritualistic. Um, we take this vibrating plastic stick with nylon bristles and we put it against our teeth for two minutes, two or three times a day, and then we take nylon thread in between each of our teeth every day, uh, and then we go to a, a dentist to clean our teeth on top of that every six months. <laughs> just so we can keep our teeth. Um, we're not genetically programmed to keep our teeth beyond our 30s. Oh, wow. That's mad. Mm -hmm. So like you've literally blown my mind with 20s that. 20s is where it's at, apparently, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Everything goes downhill. <laughs> I remember uh, my 20s. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so why do dogs keep their teeth for so long? Like, I think there's a lot of dogs out there that will have decent teeth for most of their life when they have very, very little care taking care yeah, of their teeth. Yeah, I think that's um, that's a misnomer. They don't have decent teeth. Okay. We know we know from really good scientific research that um, eighty percent of over eighty percent of dogs by the age of three years old have periodontitis. So that's inflammation. Um, uh, leading to attachment loss of their teeth. So lots of dogs will live to 12 or 13 and still have their teeth, um, but they're not healthy. The teeth are, are mm. not healthy. And if they are, they're a very, um, very unique genetic specimen, you know, because I, I'll always hear a client say, oh, I don't know why my dog has such bad teeth because my last dog lived to 16, never had any dental care and his teeth were perfect. Well, I, I, I promise you they, they weren't. Uh, <laughs> glad that you didn't have any obvious clinical signs of your dog suffering. But we know from, we know, um, from a, a large amount of scientific evidence that that's almost impossible. Your, your dog did have dental disease. Okay. So one of our listeners said, you know, she was submitting the questions when mm -hmm. I asked what, what questions you have for a vet dentist. And, and the question she had, she was like, you know what, I feel like my parents, you know, dogs growing up that I knew, it was never something that was talked about was like dog dental health. It was never like, oh, it's time for their routine dental cleaning, which maybe, maybe it was in some areas, but I know I didn't, don't really remember that being a thing either for our family pet growing up. And so, so I guess maybe they did have the issue and it wasn't as common. I they did and we just didn't take care of it. Yeah. I feel like it's it's like the a new thing or not a new thing, but it's like a hot thing right now. I think there's all these dog moms in the world that are like dog moms and dog dads that are way more attentive to the health of their dog and what exactly is going on. Absolutely, yeah. So there's a there's a heightened awareness, and I think that's really great. You know, it, it, if you look at the human dental world, it wasn't until after World War II before preventative dentistry became a thing. You know, people didn't brush their teeth twice a day and go to the hygienist every six months. They went to the dentist to get their teeth out in their 20s because they hurt. Oh. And they, they actually had parties when they got their dentures. You know? I want to have That's a party crazy. if I have to get dentures. <laughs> it would make That's it way more fun. Yeah. I have terrible teeth. So I'm like, I'm imagining me having to get dentures when I'm like 40. So in what way do you have terrible teeth? Well, it's they're they're just really between the the jaw issues that I had growing up. So I had a lot of it was like the teeth were on top of each other. So it was a lot of just wear and tear. And so they're extra sensitive. They're and I also have like a highly acidic saliva, apparently, which also is causing, I don't know, it's, it's this whole thing. I, I used to want to be an orthodontist. That was what I went to, into undergrad for is because I was so excited. Like I loved all of that stuff because I grew up 
basically in a, in a dentist chair. Um, <laughs> and, but yeah, so it's just, it's like one thing or another. It's fine. So with like, my, it's fine. Carly, it's fine. With, all, with all those um, dental concerns that you have, can you imagine if you didn't grow up in a dental chair? And can you imagine if you grew up in the 1920s when brushing your teeth wasn't a thing? You'd no. be gums, old gums. I would. All of my marriage prospects would have been out the door. I would have been the spinster, the old maid. No, you'd, you'd put your beautiful smile in every morning when you got up. And then when you go to bed, you put it in a cup of uh, disinfection solution. And, and that's just what everyone, yeah, that's what everyone what did. A large part of the population did. But okay, getting back, getting back <laughs> to the, the gums, you were mentioning the whole kind of gum disease and stuff. So I've heard that that like bacteria, I guess, or that like those that inflammation from the gums can really easily be swallowed down and affect the internal organs. Is that is that true? I I, I don't think that's necessarily uh, a major issue. I think the stomach acids and the and the gastrointestinal tract would digest um, bacteria that you're swallowing. However, that inflammation is in the bloodstream. And it just doesn't stay in your, in, in your gum tissues. It's, it's circulating throughout your body. And we know that from human studies as well as veterinary studies that those bacteria that are most commonly found in the oral cavity can, can end up in the heart, in the lungs, uh, the kidneys, the liver, and even the brain. So not only do the bacteria circulate through the body, you have a bacterial shower in your bloodstream every time you brush your teeth. And that's, that's just well known. Um, and the body, the immune system can typically handle that. But if you have a huge inflammatory reaction, um, the, in, the immune system can be overwhelmed. And we know, we know from, from human medicine and human dentistry that when you have a patient with severe periodontitis, the, these inflamed mouths that you see dogs requiring full mouth extractions for, you know, really, really rotted out mouths, those people, have have inflammatory condition throughout their body, including their brain, and they suffer from depression, lack of motivation. Um, w- women that have periodont- periodontal disease have low birth weights. Um, they have problems with pregnancies. There are definitely links to other systemic diseases, including diabetes. Um, so it's it's not just dental disease. The 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 mouth is kind of the gateway to the rest of the body and, and everything's connected. And, and it's the very same thing in our dogs. Wow. Truth bomb. <laughs> I know. Right there. Yeah. Just wow. So um, basically dental hygiene is important for your pet because otherwise it could lead to some very severe other health issues in the body. Yeah. It, um, it, and I assume, well, I guess it depends on the health issue, but um it would almost be silly to, you know, sort those health issues out, but then not sort out the the mouth because that's right. It would just continue to happen until you get it sorted exactly. out. Exactly. So, in, in human dentistry uh, in, in in America in the U.S., if in, in medicine, sorry, if if a, a doctor diagnoses diabetes, they're obligated to refer to a periodontist or a dentist. You have to have dental treatment before you really? can like to, to go along with management of the diabetes because you can't manage diabetes effectively if you have chronic inflammation in the body. And so, if, so you have to have dental treatment. Um, and this is something that is, we're way behind, we're way behind in veterinary medicine. So internal medicine specialists, as well as general practitioners, when they diagnose diabetes in a dog or cat, d- dental care is absolutely paramount, absolutely needed. Um, and, and we're just not on top of it enough. Right. That's just one example. Yeah. And are there, um, are there breeds who typically have worse teeth than others or is it pretty similar across the line? I think there, there, there are, um, definitely smaller breeds are probably overrepresented. Um, and a very simplified way of looking at it is, you know, periodontitis, inflammation of the supporting structures of the teeth and and loss of those supporting structures. So loss of the collagen, the gum tissue, the bone um, is going to 
to be a bigger effect in a smaller dog. So let's say you have three millimeters of bone loss. So that's a three millimeter, let's say a pocket, you know, when your dentist is probing. Three millimeters on a German Shepherd might be insignificant, but three millimeters in a tiny little Maltese could be the whole root. Right. Um, so, so that's a simplistic way of looking at it, but they're, they're just so much smaller that, you know, um, the, the, the effect of a similar amount of attachment loss is, is more profound. There, there's likely also some genetic factors where certain breeds, um, you know, throw up a bigger immune reaction or an inflammatory response to these plaque bacteria. Some dogs don't seem to have a lot of plaque, whereas others, um, other breeds have maybe potentially a, a higher plaque biofilm. Um, so there, there are so many factors in, yeah. involved. All we know is, you know, bringing, bringing it down to what can we do? We can remove the plaque mechanically. So mm-hmm. brushing teeth and then having a, a, a dental hygienist or a veterinarian clean those teeth regularly um, to try and mitigate the reaction of, of that plaque bacteria. And when you say regular dental cleanings, um, is it like a human, like every six or 12 months um, or is it different for dogs? Uh, it, it's, it's different for every dog. <laughs> oh, okay. So just depending of, on how quickly the plaque builds up or yeah, diet dependent. The plaque shouldn't, the plaque shouldn't build up any quicker on one animal than another. We know the plaque starts to form immediately after it's removed. So a, after I get my teeth cleaned, um, a biofilm, uh, starts to accumulate. Um, and, and I've got plaque on my teeth within, within hours. Um, mm. And that's why we're that that plaque will will harden and form calculus um, within a day or two. So that's why we're brushing a couple times a day. So we what I recommend for my pets and and I try to walk the talk with Tyson is brushing once a day. And most most dogs are going to benefit uh, have enough benefit from a, an annual professional dental cleaning. Okay. Um, and that's a good opportunity to you know, do a full assessment because we can't really assess a dog's periodontal health without anesthesia. Um, And you can have a lot of change in one year. There are uh, plenty of patients um, and maybe some of them will actually listen to this uh, (laughs) podcast, patients of mine who I recommend, I've recommended coming every six months. And we even have uh, quite a few at the UW coming every four months for cleanings. Wow. Uh, When they're, when they're, you know, in that highly reactive um, category of patient. Right. And um, so we kind of touched on it a little, a little bit that the smaller breeds are a little bit more um, overrepresented. Is that because they just have a smaller mouth and then their teeth are kind of on top well, of each other? There, That's one of the factors, absolutely. So you get you don't have diastomer space between the teeth, so the teeth are often crowded. This is something we see in the brachycephalic breeds as well, the squished-in faces, like the pugs mm-hmm. and the bulldogs and the the, uh, the Boston Terriers. Their, their teeth are so crowded um, that they don't have a heavy bone stock between and around supporting those teeth. Um, when they're crowded, you have more plaque accumulation as well as... Uh, you know, f- food debris that, that will incorporate in the plaque biofilm. So that, that's one of the factors, uh, in the, in the smaller dogs and, uh, and the dogs with, um, with squished in faces. As the, as the dog was, you know, bred from the archetype, which is the wolf, the, the, the mouth got smaller and smaller and smaller, but the teeth didn't get proportionally smaller. Right. So the teeth are definitely, like the teeth of a chihuahua are definitely smaller than the teeth of a wolf but not to the same degree as the difference in size of the skull. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. I think that's really good for people who either have one of those uh, brachycephalic or the, or just a small breed, like a chihuahua or something like that, that it's pretty, it's good for them to know, you know, maybe you just rescued a chihuahua from a shelter or something. It's good to know that, that you may run into health issue or dental issues or you know the dog may need a few extractions or something just because there isn't as much space so i think that's good we touched on that definitely common yeah and um so this is one of the questions from our um from our listeners she had which i think we've kind of touched on um 
So she has one, she has two dogs and um, they're the same breed, same age. Um, one develops a uh, tartar faster than the other one. Is there a reason for that or is it purely kind of genetics? There's, there's likely a genetic component to that. There could be an occlusion um, component as well. So the teeth might not be coming together in the same way, even though they're the same breed. Okay. Um, they may not be using their teeth the same. So there is a there is a mechanical removal of of some of the plaque when they bite down on things um, naturally. Um, and so there may be an occlusal difference between the two dogs, but likely there's a, a genetic component. Okay. Yeah. Um, Just like humans, we're all different. <laughs> okay. So another question from a listener. So. And you kind of touched on this earlier when, when you mentioned the police dogs. Is there anything that dogs commonly chew on that is actually not good for their teeth? Or, you know, are there like certain toys or certain things that maybe they shouldn't chew on during a certain uh, developmental stage or anything like that? Yes. Great question. <laughs> I'm really happy that your uh, listener posed this question because it's it's so important because you can go to the pet store um, and there's a, a, a wall of chew um, items mm-hmm. and that wall of chew items is also a reason that I'm here at Wisconsin. I think of my career here somewhat as, uh, obviously it's a transition, but somewhat as um, semi-retirement. <laughs> <laughs> I built my retirement home. Um, I've made so much money off that wall of chew toys. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> a, a dog should not chew something hard. So okay. if you wouldn't chew it, don't let your dog chew it. Your dentist doesn't want you chewing ice cubes mm-hmm. because ice cubes is one of the most common things that break teeth. So can you imagine if your dentist saw you chewing on an elk antler? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you probably time, wouldn't be happy. Yeah. <laughs> you break all your teeth. And, and, and a, and a dog's teeth where they're chewing are their cheek teeth, the side teeth. Um, and those teeth are actually not occluding together. Those teeth form a shear. They work like a scissor. Right. Mm-hmm. The upper jaw is wider than the lower jaw, and the, the teeth form a, a shear. So if you take something hard and take your scissors and try to cut that, the scissors will twist. And that's exactly what uh, happens with the teeth. They twist and break. Yeah. And then, then, then I get to do a root canal treatment and a crown for a whole bunch of money and you know so if i was unethical what i would do is i would just go for a hike pick up a whole bunch of deer sheds cut them up shrink wrap them and brand it grand pet dentist all natural Mm -hmm. (laughs) and and people buy that they, they they pay 40 bucks for a six inch piece of deer antler when you can just walk down walk through the forest and find it it's highly unnatural. It, wolves in the wild will never chew an antler. They don't even chew long bones of their prey. If you look at the stomach contents of a wolf, yes, there are bones there. Those are rodent and small mammal bones. When right. they crush and swallow a rodent whole, they'll, they will break rib bones or flat bones, but they don't chew hard objects or they'll break their teeth too. Mm-hmm. Which is so interesting because you hear a lot of people who say like, you know, chewing on a bone will help clean their teeth. Yeah. Like oh, a raw, does. like a marrow bone or something oh, like yeah. that. It definitely does help clean those teeth. But guess what? It also breaks those teeth. Um, oh. So a broken tooth, clean or dirty, doesn't matter to me. It's a broken mm-hmm. tooth. Right. So the benefit of, the, of, of chewing hard objects to clean the teeth is far outweighed by the negative impact of breaking the teeth. So never, never, never would I recommend a dog chew on a bone, which is so, um, in, in a sense, ironic because, you know, most dog tags are stylized in the shape of a femur bone. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. We've got a, a cookie jar for Tyson that is the shape of a femur bone. You know, yeah. we're, we're pre-programmed to think dogs are synonymous with chewing bones. Yeah. I mean, um, there's the saying, give a dog a bone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So give a dog a bone and give your vet dentist your visa number. <laughs> I'm so happy that we've talked about that. This is, you know what? This entire reason is why we why we started the podcast, or at least one yeah. of my main things, is because it's like I would totally do that. I would buy Lupin these marrow bones, 
antlers, all these things because it's branded natural. And I'm like, oh, well, it's better than him chewing on the plastic, you know, the super hard plastic thing or something. And, and yeah. lo and behold, it's like, it's really, if it's hard, it's going to hurt the teeth. And he does hard have is- teeth problems now. Yeah. Like he, so- he has some chipped teeth and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and that's so hard too, because as a pet parent, you go out, you're like, I'm going to treat my dog. I'm going to buy them this really expensive bone, which they yeah. of course only chew for like two weeks and then they're done with it. And, <laughs> and then you have to go out and pay. It's like double. You have to go, go pay for your dental cleaning afterward or fixing whatever. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. So one of the rules of thumb is if it's, if you wouldn't chew it, if you wouldn't bite down on it, don't let your dog bite down on it. Mm. If you don't want to Whack it off your knee. Don't let your dog chew it. If you can't bend it, don't let your dog chew it. If you can't kind of dig your thumbnail into it, it's probably not safe. There's okay. there are things that are are more safe. You know, um, there's a, a a product. There there are some rubber hard rubber products that are are more safe. Mm-hmm. There's risk in that though. They could swallow something like that. Um, sticks. You know, you, there are stick foreign bodies that happen all the time. I let my dog chew sticks, I, but I'm also in his mouth making sure he doesn't have a, um, you know, a, a big chunk of stick stuck between teeth. Mm-hmm. There's, we have to decide how risk averse we are. And I don't mm-hmm. think anyone should be taking the risk by letting their dog chew on something hard like a bone or an animal. Yeah. 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 And I guess if you're giving those to help clean their teeth, then you should maybe use that time to just brush their teeth instead and train and- them. Nothing, yeah, nothing yeah. against the pet stores, but they, they typically, um, the person explaining to you uh, about these chew items um, are high school students working 16 to 17 hours a week, and they have a name tag, and it says Nathan, uh, nutritional expert. But guess what? No, they're not. Um, they, they did a one-hour course with their manager about <laughs> what's in food. Exactly. And I think <laughs> their intentions are good. Yeah. They, 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 they're so happy that they get to work at the pet store because they love animals and no one is doing it out of malice. It's just, they just don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just misinformation. Okay. And we're back. Uh, sorry, folks. Carly did have to um, shoot off real quick. So it's just me and Graham. Um. So we were just talking about bones and how bad they are. Um, So don't give bones to your dog. Um, (laughs) End all. Um, Next question, I guess still touching on the bone thing. So instead of giving your dog a bone to um, help clean their teeth, we should just be cleaning their teeth. Do you have any, um, any recommendations on what the best toothpaste is and what the best brushes are? I don't have a recommendation for a specific brand or a company. Um, I just recommend the soft bristled human toothbrush. Okay. Um, and if you've got a big dog, use a, a, a fairly large size brush so you have, you're getting more surface area. There are a number of different pet toothpastes with different flavors like chicken or malt or mint. Mm-hmm. Um, and they can be really great training tools to get your dog to kind of accept you being in their mouth. Um, but Truthfully, I think um, the toothpaste isn't nearly as important as just the mechanical um, scrubbing of those teeth and breaking up okay. the black biofilm with, with a soft bristled toothbrush. Okay, so you could just forego the toothpaste and just brush. Yeah, I just would. use water. Yeah. So with, with Tyson, I'll, I'll use a, a wet toothbrush, do one side, rinse it, and do the other side, and then okay. it goes to bed. And that, yeah, that sounds so simple and easy as well. Um, How about if your dog's a little bit adverse to the toothbrush? Do you have any tips or tricks? Yeah, uh, there are some great, you can, your listeners can just like Google uh, how to brush dog's teeth. I think uh, Cornell University has a really good um, uh, demonstration. But what I recommend is starting with something that your dog likes um, just on your finger and, and you know, start just rubbing their teeth and rubbing their gums with either peanut butter or if mm-hmm. they like cheese whiz or something like this, just so it, and, and do it, do it at the same time, um, every day along with uh, a positive reinforcement. So either, you know, they're 
give them their favorite toy afterwards or give them their favorite treat afterwards. Um, something, you know, Mm -hmm. non-threatening. So it's not hurting them. They don't associate it with something negative. And then slowly work your way to, you know, putting either a a finger toothbrush that are like kind of like a thimble with little bristles and then graduate to an actual toothbrush with nylon bristles. So just take your time and do it, do it every day. If it's not habit, it's not going to happen. Right. You know what? So Arthur had a little tumble the other day and, um, had to put him under for some radiographs because he, well, he's a drama queen. So just as soon as you try and touch him, if he's hurting, he's like, oh, please, no. So we had to put him under and I was looking at his teeth and I was like, yep, need to do something about that. It's uh, not looking so hot in there, <laughs> um, <laughs> which is great because he's an alligator. So like, I definitely need to work on that I've been focusing on his toenails but now I need to know I need to focus on his teeth <laughs> it's it's kind of a similar thing I think the nails are harder than the teeth though yeah we're more, getting there. more difficult the teeth are definitely harder <laughs> yes <laughs> slowly but surely we're getting there one weird corgi thing at a time we're moving through them Good. and so there's quite a lot of dental um products on the market right now so there's um, dental chews, dental treats, there's drops that you can put in their water, there's dental mm-hmm. supplements. Are those more pseudo sciencey or do they actually work? So some of those products may have some some scientific evidence to support um, you know the, their efficacy. Um, what I would suggest to your listeners is that they, they make sure they at least have a um, VOHC seal on it. So that's the Veterinary Oral Health Council. Okay. Um, they will oversee products, um, to, um, and, and evaluate science. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're, they're, you know, magic potions. So there, there are a lot of products on the market. So it can be quite yeah. confusing for, for clients. But let, let me put it this way. If there was a magic drop, water drop, um, I put it in my water. If there was a magic <laughs> potion, um, it would be it would be marketed to to people first. The magic is is chlorinated water already. So there's 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 um, there's chlorine in our water um, to to deal with with caries, so cavities, bacteria that that form cavities. But it's not a major issue for um, for dogs. Okay. Nothing, nothing comes close. None of these products, potions, magic gels, or, or you know, you know, sparkle wands have have the effect that a simple toothbrush does. So, if if it makes you feel good to buy products to put in your dog's water, great. But don't do that <laughs> in place of toothbrushing. Okay. Brush as well. So brushing is going to be like the gold standard. Definitely. Any of the supplements may help, but isn't going to be the main thing you should be doing for dental health. Focus, focus your time and energy on brushing rather than adding a, um, a, a magic potion in the water or, or what have you. Okay. Good to know because it's marketing is a very funny thing. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it makes you think all kinds of crazy stuff. And I think that's the same in human health too. One of the... One of the things that, that one of the products that that you know has shown the most scientific evidence that it's beneficial are some of the dental diets. Okay, um, and those are really mechanic, mostly um, mechanical. They're just much bigger kibble, and they're designed in such a way that um, they don't shatter as soon as the tooth starts to penetrate the kibble. Okay. Um, so it, it's kind of mimicking the action of a, a of a toothbrush, mm-hmm. but it really only happens on those few teeth that crush through the kibble. If you have ever seen your dog's vomitus after or regurgitation after they've eaten, you'll notice that most of that kibble wasn't chewed yeah. um, because their teeth are not designed for chewing. I, I talked about the, the, the cheek teeth kind of being like a scissor. Yeah. The teeth are for cutting and tearing meat yeah. and killing their prey. They're not for grinding grains like our teeth. <laughs> you know, they can swallow yeah. something quite large. So your corgi can swallow a small rabbit whole. I promise you. Ugh. <laughs> um, 
So if people want to learn more about dentistry, um, tips about how to maintain health and just really more about the kind of 3D printing stuff you do, where can they find you? Where can they get all that info? Um, so definitely the best place to get info about how to take care of their pet teeth is talking to their veterinarian. So they, your, your listeners have a great relationship with their, their primary care veterinarian and, and the primary care veterinarian is, is probably the best resource for, for information. Um, if they want to know more about what I do, they can, um, check out my Instagram. I try to post now and then it's harder being at the university to, to post things. Um, but my Instagram is Graham Pet Dentist. Um, or they can, they can, uh, visit the University of Wisconsin School of Veterinary Medicine, um, website to see some of the, the fun stuff that are, that's come down the pipes. Well, that's great. I'm actually just looking through your Instagram right now and there's everything from, uh, CT images to the tiger that you performed surgery on, um, and everything like that. So it's super, super interesting if anyone wants to go and take a gander. Um, and thank you so much, Graham, for coming on. We have had such a good time chatting to you today. So many truth bombs. I'm sure everyone's going to be out getting their brushes tomorrow. <laughs> I hope so. And talk to their, their, their primary care vets about getting a, a professional dental cleaning as, as well so that the brushing is more effective. I know I definitely will be. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, Izzy. Well, thank you so much for coming on and we'll chat to you soon. Awesome. My pleasure. Take care. Bye. You can find us on Instagram at with a dog podcast. If you enjoy our podcast, please subscribe, give us a five-star review and share it with your friends and family. All content on the With A Dog podcast is for informational and comedic purposes only. It should not replace professional advice, treatment, or diagnosis by a certified veterinarian, trainer, or behaviorist.